This is the Mouths of the South podcast. You shut your mouth when you're talking to me. The official Dirty South Soccer podcast. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Talking all things Atlanta United FC. Don't nobody understand the words that are coming out of your mouth, man. We are the Mouths of the South. The South got something to say. That's all I got to say. What's up, Atlanta? This is the Mouth of the South podcast brought to you by Dirty South Soccer in the palatial six seated the fan studios. I am Eric Quintana. Josh Bagrianski next to me and Sam Franco in front of me as well. Gentlemen, I've got an announcement. Well, I've got a surprise. Well, not a really surprise because you guys know this now, but the people don't. Josh, you came in late in the history of the, the Mouths of the South podcast. Sam and I have been this since the beginning. Yeah, with, I only came when it was with, popular. With host emeritus. Host emeritus. As you can see, this is why I was Jason is a Smith iffy about joining. Yeah, ran into Jason uh, the the Georgia Notre Dame game. It's good to see him again. Yeah. Well, the big announcement, the big news, is that we are in our fifth year as a podcast. No way, bro. Four years straight. No way, bro. Into the fifth. Many have come and gone, but we remain. Wait, did I say that right? Is it the and still not very good? This is the beginning. This is the beginning of the fifth year. Yeah, that's what I meant. We're still here. We're still here. <laughs> That's Gattaca, right. Gattaca. <laughs> still not that good, but no. we are we are here and OG we, podcast. Five years going into the five, fifth year. Man, we are fifth year seniors at this point. You guys are starting I'm just, I'm starting just starting our fifth year uh, fifth year of uh, college here. <laughs> the victory lap, the victory baby. Lap. Um. So yeah, it's been fun. One of the original OG podcasts. I believe we were the first. Because then I think Jason used to do the ATL soccer chat, which wasn't really a specifically a podcast, but it basically effectively was a podcast. I remember watching that and being like, golly, does this guy have a lot of useless infra Atlanta soccer information? <laughs> and then Where can he put it? And then it Where turned out he, he was it? accidentally prepping for this job his whole life. He knew the entire time. Yeah, the ATL soccer chat was great. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think. What else? What else? What are their memorable? We were first to interview Darren Eels. That's right. I think even before some of the radio people got it, we we, we got the scoop on how many season ticket holders. Um, this is way early. This is like we were talking about like what sixteen thousand. Yeah, I still season have, ticket holders. I still have the picture that we took like on yeah, my like too. laptop, and I look like a caveman because my hair is like out to like um, here. I'm trying to think. We were, I think we were the first. Definitely the first podcast. I'm pretty sure we were the first. I don't know if we were the first radio interview, hmm. but definitely the first, first podcast interview. Darren Eels. Um, we we interviewed. <laughs> funny story. Uh, 2017 when Atlanta United did the their first the super draft. Yeah. Uh, it was Miles Robinson that they essentially picked first, and then it was Julian Gressel. Mm-hmm. And so when I asked uh, Atlanta United media, I think I told this story before on the podcast. When I asked the the, the front office, the media guys uh, with Atlanta United for either one, I was hoping for Miles Robinson because he was chosen higher. And when That's Julian right. Gressel, when Julian Gressel, when I told, when I was told it was going to be Julian Gressel, I was like, really? Like second pick? Like who? No one's ever heard of him. He's probably not going to play because of the time. Atlanta United got lucky year one because you don't ever get two picks. And and, and guys like Miles Robinson and, and Julian Gressel out of the Super Draft, so they got incredibly lucky with how that that's all panned out. Exactly. But I remember thinking. Uh, really, Julian Gressel? Really, you can't, you're not going to give me the guy, guy that you guys picked first, or <laughs> eventually got first? And I'm sitting there, I'm like, all right, whatever. So we do the interview. I called him a German, German American. 
which oh. is wrong because he's just straight up oh, German. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, I guess he's German American now. Is he German American now? Not quite, but I know that he has explicitly called out, I think Joe Patrick revealed for, to me. for saying that. He did okay, it to me. yeah, yeah. He doesn't, he doesn't like that. He did it to me. Wow. Uh, we talked a little bit about his college life. Maybe that was what drove him to be the player he is. When you called him American, he was so insulted. I said German American. Said, you, you, you. I said German American. <laughs> I don't want to crap I on college soccer. I recognize his German ethnicity <clears throat> while also right. assuming that he was American, which right. isn't the case. Right. Well, I guess, I don't know. No, he's not. He, has, he Green co- doesn't make you basic, I think right, it's yeah. the winter before uh, the next World Cup is when he would be eligible well, there you to go. play for the men's national team. There you go. I'm trying to think of any other memorable stories. We've had, I mean, we've one. had Alexi Lawless on a couple, uh, more than a couple times. We had um, Taylor Tallman's been on. We uh, had a uh, Roger Bennett. Roger Bennett. Yeah. Let me ask you guys a question because a on? lot of people that were kind of on board with this well before 2017 said so there was like a moment where they realized this is going to be really big. Not, I mean, not talking about the podcast, but but Atlanta United is going to be really big. Was there like a moment where you guys were like, "Wow, this what was is that? I say, I think it was this is going we were, somewhere." We were at the first game. You no, know, like, so for me it was at the uh, I forget where it was, at the uh, uh, the logo reveal. Oh, that's yeah. where I was like, all right, this is gonna be because they mm-hmm. did it at that weird thing in like what was Midtown. It, the it was like a, it was just like a, it wasn't even a bar. It was just like a big like party event space, and like I forget what it was called, but yeah, it was almost like a warehouse. I don't even know. I, I, the, it was the, cool. It was really cool. The main thing I remember doing. Is kind of parking it at the back to, for the reveal because they were going to sell stuff. Remember, and, yeah. and like I like started sneaking towards the back to where I could get a good spot in line, kind of like I did for the jersey reveal, uh, where I started like creeping to the back so I could. Get, I think I can't verify this, but I may have like bought the first Atlanta United jersey you could buy. I was the first person. Unverifiable. It is unverifiable. I'm sure that unverifiable. <laughs> it is unverifiable. But uh, I will say that's the first time I saw Ludacris. He was, he was in the crowd. That's we were right. Interviewing him. That's the first time I, we interviewed Arthur Blank. There's actually a shot. I have a video of it somewhere, where Fox Five is interviewing. I believe I don't know if it's no, no. It's it's Arthur Blank. Yeah. And Carlos and Carlos Bocanegra and I <laughs> enter into the shot because I'm asking if I can interview him. Yeah. And like, no good other. Yeah. So we're gonna do a scrum type of thing. <laughs> we both enter the shot. I ask him a question, and we both leave the shot. Weirdest moment on TV, I'm sure, for the camera guys because we both enter and leave at the same time. Oh wow! Can you get a clip of that up on? I'm sure uh, I can find it. On the Twitter on or something. Somewhere. Yeah, I mean, oh, we've, awesome. we've all had some interesting, like, uh, interesting stories, you know, involving the the start of Atlanta United. The introductory press conference, April sixteenth, twenty fourteen, I guess is when that I wasn't there for. Been. I was there, and I got to ask like the last question that he. But so on, like the YouTube video, if you go see it, I ask like Arthur Blank after like sucking up to him for a second, being like, "Thank you for bringing us the right. soccer team." And everyone calls him Mister um, Blank. That's and, right. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, just kind of asking him a question there. Um, I remember Alexi Lalas coming in on the. Or, I mean, uh, Don Garber and Martha Blank coming in on the helicopter yeah. and stuff. But one of the funnier moments I had was I remember. Um, I remember being asked by like Atlanta United comms back. This is back when I was working in radio in Athens. That's communications like, for those of you that thank you that are, are, are not, not uh, in the yes. biz. I could barely figure. I thought it was communists at first, and yeah. I thought they were going to get into the political imagery it's, stuff it's a, it's again. A com- it's a common mistake. It was, it was our buddy <laughs> Chris Chris Raymati who works, uh, you know, with, with communications uh, for Atlanta United comms. It's not Chris. What? I'm sorry, I butchered his name, and I'm, I'm Chris Ramondi. Is it Chris Ramondi? Is that his name? Is it Chris? 
I've heard you guys talk about this guy. <laughs> anyway, pretty I was sure asked by somebody sh- in Atlanta United comms uh, to interview Andrew Wheeler Amadou for the start of Atlanta United 2. And, um, you know, I did it for uh, a different um, podcast I was doing for my radio game, Athens at the time. And I remember they're like, I, I, basically, I'm just, you know, throwing them a bone because it's like if I throw them this bone, they might help us out later with a, a bigger interview for Atlanta United or whatever. And so I'm sitting there and I'm interviewing this guy or I'm getting ready to interview this guy. And it just sort of hit me like, oh, man, I didn't really do any preface. I have no idea what to ask this dude. <laughs> and so, like, you know, we're just talking about how he went to Harvard and, you know, how he's uh, I asked him about, like, you know, playing down with the twos or mm-hmm. whatever and down to USL. He did not like that at all. Like he was very like, no, I don't see it as that at all. You know, like you mm-hmm. know, it's just like it's just so funny because I, I remember like thinking, oh man, I, this is not going to go well. And it went fine, but it's just it's hard when you you know you, you're wanting to do all this stuff with Atlanta United and, and and talk to these guys, and then they're like, all right, we'll give you this, yeah. and then you know trading off like you know I'll scratch your back, you scratch my back, kind of thing. But yeah, just remember basically him kind of like giving me the death stare through the phone like i could like tell that he like didn't want to talk to me anymore yeah playing down makes you think you know varsity jv type uh well i mean if you're talking you know. about mls he's like you know because but a- he was playing down but he, well, he, he made the big roster a few times of course yeah. but like you know it's like at that point yeah you're playing down but you know no, nobody wants to be told they're playing in like yeah. quote unquote the minor leagues well the amazing thing is We've made it this far, and we still don't do any prep, just like you didn't for that interview. <laughs> so it's good. I don't know it's, what you're talking about. It's, <laughs> All right. So uh, we're still we're here five years Ooh. later, and uh, and uh, yeah, I think the it's, only it's pretty amazing. We're still here is because nobody has like just told us. Can y'all just stop? You know what I mean? Like not enough just, people, at least. Well, it's just like we we just keep showing up, and and we keep you know publishing content. <laughs> All right, let's talk about soccer. Let's well, talk like about more soccer. current, more currently. Yeah, we'll uh, focus on the positive at least to start, and that would mm. be uh, fr- coming from the mouth of uh, Michael Parkhurst, who says he would be surprised if Joseph doesn't play. He says that, but then he also says, "But maybe they'll wait until because we've already qualified. Maybe they'll wait the extra two weeks yeah. and give him time because you've got Sunday against New England, and basically then you've got a two week break until until playoffs. So it- so forget whether he plays Sunday or not." The good thing is, he's running around, he's mobile, it doesn't seem as though by the time this first uh, playoff match yeah. starts, he's not going to be part of the starting Agreed. 11. That is a positive. Whether you pull, Look, whether it, whether it's in, in a third place Atlanta or a second place Atlanta, doesn't matter, he's hmm. going to be there. Makes a world of difference because this team is not the same when he's not in the lineup. Same sort of conversation we have with Barco. So positive is that it looks like he is, he, uh, or Doug Robertson saying that he's in training, um, Michael Parker's talking about how he 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 looks he looks fine. He's running around. Um, okay. I, I really Incredible. I really can't get over that because the, the way the knee bent, I'm sitting there thinking the worst. I'm I'm sitting there thinking that we're not going to see him until mid next yeah, year. Yeah, we all thought, but it didn't it it didn't buckle though. That's the big. I mean, he is incredibly incredibly lucky. But watching that, I I, it's funny I that, held that, out hope that he didn't tear anything. It, it, that being said, it is crazy that he's able to train this soon out because of the swelling and and pain. Must that's have what been, I want to know. Like how they get the swelling you know. down so fast? Because that kind of swelling can last weeks. I mean, because he's a because he's, even, a, even if he's a god. Even if you don't <laughs> even if you don't tear anything, even if you don't really strain anything, it, 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 you can still have things linger for months. Just to have, the knee is so weird. Just have that quote from Parkhurst that I'd be surprised if he doesn't play this Sunday. 
that's crazy. I mean, you, I, I, I think the thought was, okay, there's no ligament damage. When you heard there was no ligament damage, let's get him ready for the postseason. I'd never thought in a million years that you'd be talking about him with confidence in the last regular season game. I didn't it's even incredible think we'd be recovery about time. with confidence in the first playoff game. Because people would have been like, oh, man, that's, you know, mm-hmm. they, they, they oh, I thought he was out. I, thought, I mean, I saw that and I'm like, all right, well. Yeah. But you know, this, you guys. This has been a fun season. Good season. season. We, yeah. we, we got the U.S. <laughs> Open Cup. We're good to go. Yeah, I mean, and that's something that I know we're going to talk about you a lot in terms of how successful was this season. But I think we're going to have to wait to see what happens in the playoffs first. But, you know, you talk about Joseph. Whether he's 80%, 90%, we saw against Montreal over the weekend why you have to have him in the lineup. Because you look at the chance that Brandon Vasquez and P.T. Martinez missed in that match. Uh, Vasquez's was... <laughs> but jo- Joseph, but Joseph, those, both those chances come when those guys were playing the number 9 position. Right. P.T. had moved up into that position when he has the chip uh, over the top. And then Vasquez, of course, was playing striker when he missed that shot from like three yards out. Oh so my God. you saw the value of, of you've, you've got to get this guy back in your lineup because even a team like, you know, you let a team like Montreal hang around and, and it's a point instead of three. I mean, that that's the difference of having a goal scorer like Joseph Martinez in your lineup. Vasquez trying to explain that too. Like the, oh, did the, he try to explain it? I mean, I don't know how you can. You, you know, it's just a bull. That's, that's about yeah. as bad a miss. <laughs> yeah. I, you know. Well, and like we were saying this earlier, like uh, on the radio show, I said this. I feel bad for Vasquez in a sense. I don't feel bad because here's the thing: he's not getting many opportunities, so maybe that's why I feel bad for him. But the opportunities that he's gotten since Joseph has been out, which hasn't been very long, but still, he's gotten a few games here. He's been bad. Like, like it's not like he's. It's like, well, you're comparing. Comparing him to Joseph, it's like, well, he hasn't been bad compared to Joseph. He's been bad compared to, like, your average run-of-the-mill striker in the league. Well, if you miss that, I mean, <laughs> that's, that's, that's really shocking. And it stinks because he's not getting a lot of opportunities, but he's not and just, taking advantage of the opportunities that know, he's given. And let, I will say this. I think if for some reason you don't have Joseph in the postseason, you do have Barco. I think you saw those 30 minutes where you had Barco and PT as your front two uh or, or as your most attacking players in the front three, whatever you want to call it, this formation. Th- those two worked together better, and I thought you looked more dangerous with Barco and PT as your front two man. So even though you wouldn't be playing with an out-and-out nine, I think if Joseph you know, has a setback with a knee injury or something like that, I think you saw from those last 30 minutes against Montreal, you'd probably rather go PT and Barco than Vasquez and, and, and PT at this point. Because... You know, if you're going to be a nine that sits on the last defender, and it's it's great that Vasquez has great movement, and he works hard. You got to score. Look, and I, he's not I, giving you the end product. He might be a bit better than 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 what Kenwin Jones was, but it's a, it's effectively the same. On effort player. alone, I, I'm just sitting there. I'm like, oh, what's the point? I mean, he doesn't fit what you're trying to do, and it's like it's not even close. But even so, fit or not, I mean, you got to score from inside the six yard box. No, yeah, I mean, sure, I, I I get you. I actually think you know what he's, I think he's doing all he can. I just think he's not. To be quite honest, I don't think he's quite MLS quality player. No, um, and uh, and that's not his fault. Uh, you know, he's a hard worker, and like you said, he doesn't fit great into the system he's been uh, been with. But I think you're going to have to go Barco. I'm, try, I'm trying to think up top because I, I, this is one thing we've what, talked what, about. What I mean, I, I'm trying to think. Pity or titty. Tito started right. <laughs> <laughs> not editing Golly. that out. Tito started, and I'm sitting there thinking, why not throw him up top and then just throw whatever Gressel or right. him on that left side, and that way you have at least someone that is a some kind of an experienced finisher, mm-hmm. as opposed to Vasquez. Who look, if you're not going to use him for his height, then what are you like? What are you really doing? Yeah, and I think what the one thing I do see, and with- I'm not saying they should have used him from his height. I'm saying that 
replace him altogether in that starting with 11. somebody. And, and and I mean to be fair, I I would that's something I don't have an issue with Vasquez starting against Montreal. Barco wasn't fully fit, but I think clearly we saw that it's it's hard to really see him playing a part in the future just because he can't I mean can't score. He's he's poor in the box. You know he yeah. doesn't give you the end product that you need. Um, but I will say that you know you talk about starting Tito up top, and I think one thing that we learned. Uh, over these last couple weeks, with the way Frank DeBoer has kind of used this lineup, even without a Joseph Martinez, he hasn't set up significantly differently in any of the matches. I do think, <clears throat> excuse me, against Montreal, there was more of an emphasis on being organized and not being as gung-ho going forward, but he hasn't changed a lot. So I think you have to accept that, yeah, we, Tito sounds great. You put him up there, you've got speed, you can counterattack, or you can run at the back line. Frank DeBoer doesn't want to do that. I don't, and I think we've shown that he's not going to have, he's not going to make the kind of adjustment that Tata Martino did. And to be fair to Tata, it, it was two years before he made it, sure. but he's not going to have that. Okay, we need to sit back, absorb pressure, and, and hit 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 direct on the counter. I think we've seen DeBoer is going to stick with his system for better or for worse, and and try to implement Atlanta United style of play. Uh, and if he was had any bend on that, I think we would have definitely seen Tito start. Uh, Certainly not left wing back like he did against New York City. I think we would have seen him given a chance to be that man in the front too that that can get behind the defense and counter. That hasn't happened. So I think it's pretty clear to me with the way DeBoer has used Tito and gone about some other things. This this is the identity you're going to have. What he's tried to do, playing that three four three, attacking, uh, possession based. You know, really aggressive. I think I don't think there's going to be any any change from that at all. I just think. That, uh, Having Tito up top, not necessarily for speed, because I think that gets kind of kind of eliminated when you have him in that, in that kind of position, unless mm. you're just deep in your own mm-hmm. half. But having someone that can look, he can turn and shoot much better than Vasquez, can. Uh, as we saw with that. He can yeah. put him, yeah, he yeah, can like put in himself in, in a better position than than what Vasquez gives you. And even though he doesn't have the height, maybe he doesn't play as well with his back to goal. It gives you something maybe a little more similar to what you to what you have with Joseph. Than what you have with Vasquez, but I don't know. I don't know if it's similar in the sense or, that Joseph is great. I think the re- but you get what I mean though. You're it's, right. Vasquez doesn't give you the same thing Joseph in, does. In and terms- Tito is more more I'm not saying like Joseph, but more right. like Joseph uh, in the style of play, in the in his movements, in the way he can kind of uh, receive and, and get rid of right. the ball. Whereas Vasquez just look if again. I'm sorry, Vasquez, but unless we're not, unless we're using for your height, there's really no reason for you to be on the. Field. And I think that I mean I would say Joseph. And Tito are similar in the sense of that, uh, like you said, Eric, they're aggressive attacking players. But a way that they're not similar is Joseph is a great player in terms of holding possession. You know, he's really technical. He can slow the play down. Tito is one speed, one speed all the time. So, again, like I said, I think this confirms Frank DeBoer, aside from the fitness and all those things, but the fact that he got his chance to start and it was at a wingback position, not in that front two shows that Frank DeBoer is not really interested in starting a guy that only plays at one speed, fast, fast, fast. Off the bench, yes, but Frank DeBoer, I don't think, interested in playing, and we can argue for or against this, but I don't. I think he's shown us he's not interested in Tito starting as one of those front two because he really wants Atlanta you know, to, to, to get possession of the ball and play a kind of a mix of tempos as opposed to just one speed, 100 miles an hour at all times, which is what Tito gives you. And it's been frustrating like to see guys like and I was talking about this with Vasquez a minute ago but to see guys get opportunities and you know not necessarily take advantage of them and and Eric was saying this earlier it's like well I'm just not seeing consistency from Tito and I'm like 
it's unfortunate because you can't see consistency from someone if they're not getting consistent minutes. Yeah, and and, and that goes into and I I mean Eric's not totally wrong. I mean it's not like Tito has forced well, he his hasn't way been in. Consistent, you know, right. yeah. I mean yeah. he hasn't played particularly well, but certainly he doesn't seem to fit the style. And I think it kind of leads us to a more general question. There's a lot of questions about this team going into the playoffs, and I think the main one is. They they just don't have an established identity yet. And I know that Tata Martino changed it last year going to the playoffs, but that was still an iteration of what they had been doing. You know, it was a more defensive version of that 3-5-2 they were playing all year. Frank DeBoer has tried to play this 3-4-3 or 4-3-3 all season long, and it's just not there consistently over 90 minutes in terms of it looks open when you get countered. And uh, you had, I think, the sixth... Uh, uh, best uh, goal uh, XG difference in the league over the last couple months, which is good, but not M- win MLS Cup good. So it's just you you don't feel the same confidence in the team because I just I I don't think you really know what you're going to get from them for 90 minutes, and you see that in a match like Columbus at home where you can be on top and easily, and but you're open on the other end and you concede, and you see it in a match like Montreal where again you're against an inferior opponent, you control the game for a long period of time. But you're just not able to implement your identity, your style of play yet. I don't see that from Atlanta yet. I see it from New York City. I see it from LAFC. Obviously, sure. those are your two favorites yeah. to win MLS Cup at this point. Well, that's why isn't it safer to stay in the three-five-two or like you know, kind of that rendition? Yeah, but like you know, I think it's just not going to happen. I mean, it, it, I don't really think it matters because it, it, it's not. It's like everyone's playing bad. Everyone's no, right. uh, what, what I'm, what I'm, what you're, what I. But that's feel why like you I'm need seeing... a formation that kind of you know masks that more. And I think the three-five-two does. Compared and to the like three-five-two, particularly of twenty eighteen, playing in basically the entire year. But it's 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 different. It's it's very different than it last. It changes a lot. He's right. There, there there's like a almost an amoeba like aspect. You could call it a three-four-three. Three. I mean, you really could call it a three-four-three. Three. There's so much, you know, the the highest. And I had an article on Dirty South Soccer about this uh, when the, we he kind of settled on this a couple months ago. Uh, pat yourself on where, the yeah, thank you, thank you. And it still still holds up. Uh, basically, the highest center he just, mid. He just doubled down on his own. I know. Good, <laughs> good, good for you, John. It holds you up. Like it holds up. Would you like Go to compliment yourself it. anymore? <laughs> yeah, I'll think of something in a little bit. Okay. But if if you look at the formation last year, it was like a more of a simple three five two or five three two, where your midfield three all came back and defended, and your highest center mid played underneath the two forwards. This year, Frank DeBoer, whether it's Hindman or Ezekiel Barco in the highest of the three center mids, that player drifts to the left and becomes a left winger. PT drifts to the right, right winger, and it becomes a 3-4-3. And if you look at kind of the average positions from the game, that's really what he's trying to go for, is kind of a 3-4-3 formation. I, I think it's, it's we still call it a 3-5-2, right? But um, it's it's different. It's more fluid. It's more aggressive. It's more attacking. It's not meant to sit back and absorb pressure and hit the front two. It's meant more so for everyone to get forward and pin the other team back in their half. And and that's so different than last year. And while you could easily say, okay, uh, Barco, Heinemann, whoever, that highest center midfield player, okay, you're going to sit back. We're just going to play a triangle through the middle. You're not going to get go crazy going forward on the attack. Frank DeBoer hasn't done that, and I think he would have done that already if, if you're going to see that in the postseason. I think my bigger issue is that there was a hybrid of of this formation, of this style of play, that in, where we saw Barco, Pity, uh, uh, Joseph all playing at their best. It was right before jo- uh, uh, yes, uh, right before Barco went on. I mean, who can duty. forget that NYCFC game? Yeah. What, were, you, were you going back to the, the win streak in July, August, yeah, right, right. when we blew out NYCFC at home? And that was a great run, yeah. Because I'm sitting there thinking, yeah. I'm like, okay, well, th- there was something different about this. And what was different, it was that there was a, a, sure, the idea was maybe to possess first, but 
the minute you see an opportunity, yeah, spring forward mm-hmm. and go. There was a lot less, you know, the first three, four months of the season, it felt like for a lot of fans, even, I mean, it was obvious for anyone that was watching, they were holding back. They were looking for the the, the perfect pass or the perfect cross or the perfect opening. And just not or, playing that well sure. in general. It seemed that though once, right before Barco Interna- International Duty, it seemed they were playing much more freely. They they were able to make their own choices. They were able to be a little more dangerous. They were able to play balls that maybe weren't going to come off, but there was a chance that maybe it could. And before that, it seemed as though Frank DeBoer was just like, no, we're not going to do that. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna stick to the plan here. We're gonna make this work. We're gonna make sure we have yeah. this done. We have this down pat first, and then we can move forward. I'm hoping that we can get back at Lane United, can get back to playing that way right before Barco went on international duty, because that's where that's and the knee that's, in, the knee injury as well. Yeah, so it's the knee injury that's had him out this most recent period. But that's an Atlanta United that can absolutely yeah. win MLS Cup. Yeah, no, I agree. So I would I don't think it's anything DeBoer's doing though. I think it's just the influence of having a player like Barco who can go get the ball from the back line like Almiron last year and then. Make a 30, 40 yard run forward into sure. attack. So, Emerson Hyman is not that player. Right. So I would say, uh, and I don't really disagree with you, but I think the devil's advocate would say it's nothing tactical. It's just that what Barco brings in a box to box aspect helps you transition from defense to attack a little more quicker than a player like Emerson Hyman. Um, but I, I'm, I'm not disagreeing with you, but I just, I think. Well, I just look at the players. That you, I mean, sure, yeah. they, Emerson Hyman isn't that player. But you can still expect them to try to do something like that. But they don't even when it, it's not if it's not Barco, it's not anybody. And I think and that's that's where I'm like, okay, well, someone else is gonna have to, whether it's Tito, whether it's 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 Emerson, whether it's Nagby. I, I'm not saying that they have the same kind of skill set as Barco, but someone's got to step up to at yeah. least. I just at least at least relieve the pressure. I think a little it's instinctual more than anything. I think Barco when he's in there is such a you know a great mental player like like he knows exactly what he needs to do he's such a Mm. thoughtful player that I don't know if anybody it it might just be that nobody else on the team can replicate I'm I'm not asking for replication I'm asking for just well yeah at least somewhat passable play when he's not in the lineup but nobody's doing well I I, I wouldn't say that I think Emerson Hyman's been very good it's just he doesn't give you the same he doesn't give you the same thing as, no, no, no I, I agree. I'm not yeah. passing yeah, I'm not, off at what Barco is. Yeah, I'm not disagreeing with you, but sometimes yeah. you just got to hit the hit the gas and go. Yeah, and and that's what I don't see enough of unless Barco is in there. But I just I I mean I think, I'm not saying it needs to be every I single think, time. I I'm but, not saying it needs to be 2017. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, mix it up every now and then. I, I don't know though. I don't know that it's not there. I just don't think they can do it. I don't think you have the personnel to do it without a Barco on the pitch. I mean, PT is not. You know, the speed guys it. like that don't grow on trees. You know, I mean, like bar, like players like Miguel Almiron with those types of attributes. You can't just say to Emerson Hyman, "All right, man, you're gonna you're gonna have to make a 30 yard run out of the back." He, he just he can't do it. Well, Josh, you think you know more about Miguel Almiron <laughs> than Steve Bruce? Okay, <laughs> actually, down, I'm going to get into that later. <laughs> hopefully, I don't strangle someone out of anger about Steve Bruce Miguel Almiron. But <laughs> I don't. I mean. I think Barco is just that valuable to the team. I th- oh, I I one hundred percent agree with you. And, he, and he's the he's. I think I said it on the radio show, him playing well is going to mean Atlanta United does well in the in the, in the playoffs. Yeah, him playing poorly he, in the playoffs means mm-hmm. Atlanta United is going to do. And you hit the nail on the head, Eric. Done, yeah. There's no. It's no coincidence that Atlanta United's form dropped off immediately when he goes on international duty. Immediately when he goes, uh, when he has the the knee injury. There's no coincidence whatsoever. And and he's missed a lot of games this year. So again, no coincidence that it's been up and down play going forward for Atlanta I'm United. I'm still. I'm still. I look. They, before this year, I wasn't all that surprised because I still thought Andrew Carlton had a lot of growing up to do. Mm-hmm. But I'm surprised that because it works so well with Barco doing the things he did, Andrew Carlton is a player that, man, I'm not saying he's 
as maybe as fast or as as gifted as as Barco, but they're pretty similar. Well, Bar- Barco's a better vert. I mean, yeah, sure, yeah. But, but, but that, that's but actually in terms, an in terms of what they give you. Yeah. I, I'm surprised style that, of play. Yeah, I'm surprised at that that uh, that Andrew Carlton hasn't even gotten a sniff. Yeah, that's true. To just re- to Barco be a like replacement. But then again, that's why you brought in Emerson Hyman, yeah. and maybe the, Emerson Hyman fits more what Frank DeBoer wants to do in the long term, especially from possession. I think that's right. the big thing is he's a guy that c- can complete passes. Uh, it really anywhere on the pitch, so he helps you maintain possession. He's not the dynamic, athletic uh, type of player that a Barco is, but he's done a good job. And I think it, you know, I've heard some people, and I th- think this is crazy, but a couple people suggest that because uh, I think there are some starting positions up for grabs with for the postseason. Year? Let's for, say for the postseason, okay. yeah, around the corner. Um, Vas, I mean, or excuse me, Vasquez. Hyman's been good, but you you have to play Barco there. I mean, he just oh, he, sure. it just means so much to the overall well, dynamic I, of the team. If Nagami ends up leaving after this year, I think Emerson Hyman's the natural. Then we have an interesting. Right. Then we have an interesting. Yeah. So, but I think the other two spots that are real fascinating to me are first of all holding mid. You've got either Jeff Lawrence or Eric Rometty, uh are going to because we know Nagby is going to play that uh, kind of six slash eight role with that more box to box. Who's the other? Who's the other more defensive center mid going to be? And then I thought Michael Parkhurst not only played well over the weekend, but you saw a similar transformation on the defensive side with Parkhurst in the game that you saw on the attacking side when Barco came in. Just in terms of the impact he has on all the players around them, I thought the first, until the goal occurred, that was, to me, as good a defensive performance as I had seen from Atlanta United over the first 65, 70 minutes uh, in, a, in a quite a long time. And so I wonder if... Maybe he is has to be inserted into that back three to kind of solidify things defensively, an area where you haven't been great uh, over the last five six matches. In replacing who? So I think for him, because here's the interesting <laughs> yeah. question. Because I'm sitting here, I'm like, well, it's clear to me who you'd replace. I think Escobar. I see. I was thinking LGP. You just can't. Yeah. Nah. No. Nah, because nah, my nah. gosh, he's I, to me, he's been he's been the that's, worst offender. Well, let's 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 hear it. Let's hear it because because that's not something you hear much. Uh, but he hasn't as been late, in great form. As of late, he's been the worst offender on Atlanta United's roster. Hmm. He's stabbing way too much. He's diving mm-hmm. way too much. He's making decisions that is absolutely costing costing his team uh, a, definitely points. Um, so you would it's go. Just, it's just it's kind of like he's he's. It's almost like he's trying to do too much. He's trying mm-hmm. to be the yeah. the guy that yeah. that 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 turns the game or something like that. He's he's trying to be the the hero back there, and and we don't it doesn't necessarily need one person to be a hero. We need the collective unit to just do the job. It's not that we need need anyone to stand out. Miles Robinson is already going to do that naturally, but when he dives in like it, it just imagine the Montreal goal had he just stayed in front of. Uh, 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 Oconquo. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, he's not even in a dangerous position. And, and Pierre is... It's because he stabs and falls and trips over himself and, and, and you know, needs a cane to get up at this point that, that he finds <laughs> oh, his way into Jesus. the box and is able to get the cross back in, uh, right at top of the six. So you think playoffs start... I'm just kidding. Let's say think. let's say Sunday against New England is post is playoff game. Would, if, would you saying, go Parkhurst if, over Pierre? Are you saying if Parkhurst starts, it's over Pierre? If you have to start Parkhurst. If you believe that Parkhurst is playing really well... His he's, influence, he's, his influence is is important. I like too much what Escobar gives you. I'll put it this way: Escobar, I feel like is more more sound defensively right now than LGP is. 
Yeah, yeah, that's right fair. now. Well, right now, I think LGPs because he takes risks when he defends. Sure. So if he's but not as in good a, as of yeah, late, that's, that's he's, fair. He's, he's yeah, been yeah. sucking at taking those risks. <laughs> Which sure, maybe the, you're going to go through those moments, right? And in those moments, maybe and, take a and, break. And, and to your point, Eric, just so people think we're not just saying this, you had the first goal obviously against Montreal with Conquo, where he dives in on the touchline, allows him to come into the box. Unimpeded, squares across for the goal. But also, the only real chance Montreal had before that was where there was a cross into the box and Pires fell over. I can't remember who it was. Unfortunately, uh, we were able to recover and, and uh, I think either blocked the shot or Guzan saved it. But the other big chance in the game, aside from the goal, was also a mistake by Pires. Yeah. So, to your point, I mean, he's, he's, it's, he's it's generally not in great form right, right now. Right now, but, right now, as, as, as it stands, he's a liability to his team defensively. So I think for me though, I would I would I would I, uh, I'm not necessarily convinced that I would still make that move. I'm just saying that he if you're going to make a sub, if you're going to make a switch mm-hmm. in the starting eleven defensively, and you you're gonna put in Michael Parkers because of the influence, because of, of of how well he played against Montreal, LGP would be my pick. Mm-hmm. And for, I would hate that for LGP. But I mean, it's just business. Mm. Interesting. It's really just wow. Business. That is really a, is is LGP the new Tito and Eric's no, mind? No, 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 gonna, no, no. It's going to be two don't years of that. slander. That, don't start yeah. that. Okay, uh, so you're not wrong. You're not wrong about him, but I just think a player of that influence, you just I can't sit him. But I do think I would start. That's a completely different discussion. I think Parkhurst comes in over him. to me. I would go Parkhurst over Escobar because of the general way the back line looked much more cohesive with him. Uh, I thought you were building out of the back a little bit better. You can't, and I would go Miles Robinson over Escobar. I think, and this is an interesting one, you could make an argument for Franco Escobar on the right instead of Julian Gressel when you think back last year where he was changing games from that position in the postseason. But again, that would probably mean Frank DeBoer is going to play a little more withdrawn, and, and I just don't see that happening. So we've got the center backs. The other big one is Rometty Gressel. I mean, Rometty Gressel. Rometty Laurentowitz. I think, and that one on form is clearly Laurentowitz. Not that he's been on great form, but Rometty has been been really, really, really bad. But at the same time, his ceiling is so much higher. I mean, he's he's so much more athletic. He can cover so much more ground. If you need a little more influence going forward, he can give you that. Um, For me... I like Lorenowitz because again, he gives you that that just solidity. You kind of know what you're going to get from him, and then you can take him out for Medi later in the match if he can't go 90. But I think that's another interesting one that's up in the air, hasn't been decided yet. Might have a better idea based on performances this weekend against New England. Yeah, we'll see. Well, who do you I, think? Don't just say we'll see. Well, I, I agree. I, 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 agree I, I agree with you. There's nothing Jesus. to disagree with. Who's going to disagree with you right now? Uh, who could ever? Uh, Who's going to disagree with just you? Just say I agree with you. You're the smartest. Next topic. Fight, that's all you fight, had to do. Fight. All you had to do was say how smart I was. Who's going to disagree agree. with you on that? Anyone that's watched this match knows that Rometty's been crap. Yeah, but but I do think there was an argument, and I've heard some people. I heard some people make some absurd arguments about defending Rometty, but I think uh, I who, think who? <laughs> you're just going to sit there and say some people who's it. <laughs> Well, I, don't, I only like to call out you guys. Oh, uh, thanks. Not, but um, <laughs> but uh, I, but I still think you could. The, I, I have heard the argument for Remedy that just when he's at his best, and again, I think the way he played that six role in the postseason last year, brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Um, you know, I, was extremely influential. So, I mean, if you get that version of him, then you do want him over Lorenzo's, but. You how how do you, I mean it's been yeah. it's been real bad for a long time. I don't think you know. Yeah, he's he's. I think he's the main guy that's dropped off in terms of 
going from uh, going from uh, Martin Tata to DeBoer. Other than Tito, I think Rometty has probably had the steepest drop off, and there's a lot of different reasons for that. And certainly, he could easily improve his performances, but I think he, I mean he's been pretty poor. It does make you, it does make you wonder uh, what kind of changes Frank DeBoer might make in the off season. I mean we're cart way ahead of the horse, but yeah, but the, a lot of does, interesting it, this discussion. Is all, this is all going to be discussed when uh, when when it's all said and done for Atlanta United in 2019 for sure. Yeah, no doubt, man. And it's gonna. I mean. There, as far as the starting eleven goes, we didn't have these questions last year. There were some questions of, do you want to play attack, go crazy high pressing, you know, at uh, until about maybe a month or so left in the season, are you going to play a back three or a back four? But you pretty much knew who your best eleven were. You knew Barco and Tito yeah. were coming off the bench. You know, you kind sure. of. And this year, th- there's a lot more moving parts. Do you still feel like they can make a big run in the playoffs? Absolutely, you do. I mean, if you can score goals. Yeah, you can do, and I think the two seed. Uh, I mean, it's hard to see this team going to New York after what we just saw, and considering that Frank DeBoer doesn't seem willing to do what Tata Martino did in the playoffs last year in New York was just, you know, basically just turn it into a into a, you know, a crap show. You know, basically yeah. just I don't Frank DeBoer's not going to do that. So, I think if you get to New York, you're in trouble. But if you can score goals. If you have Joseph Martinez, if you have Ezekiel Barco, if you have P.T. Martinez, you can beat anyone on any given day. That's the thing, too, about the MLS playoffs now with it being that, you know, one-and-done scenario, like you're saying, man. Mm-hmm. Like, any of these games, it just throws out, like, so much from what you were used to before because, you know, there is no room for error. There's, you know, but at the same time, if the other team does make that error, you capitalize, you know, you end up moving on and in a scenario you might not have been yeah, favored. Exactly. So I am not saying it's gonna happen because again you would err on the side of the teams with the established identity are gonna go deep into the postseason. But there's really I mean it's MLS, right? There's parody. There's only really two teams to me, LAFC and and of course NYCFC who's who have established that. Um and again, like I said, if if Joseph Martinez can score a hat trick on any given evening, are you gonna concede four on the other end every time you go to New York? We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> what if Joseph Martinez we'll is scoring a hat trick? Then you're probably opening yourself up on the counter a lot, so yeah. the other team might score. But what, I mean, what would you guys put? What would you see, put I, the teams? I'm, I'm less confident about how these playoffs are going to go. So you think? Do you think like first think, round exit or? I, I, I'm, I'm. I would be surprised if it was longer. If they got out of the. Does first it matter game. to you if they get the two or three seed? At all, it, I would rather have the two seed. Right. Then um, I think you have a much better chance to make a deeper run because the the difference in I mean assuming that you were to match up with Philadelphia at some point it's a huge huge, if they, if they huge get the, difference. If they get, I'm trying to well, hold on. If they get the two seed, they go up against. Well, if it ended the, uh, today, it's New so England. Yeah, you're right. Sorry. Yeah. Um, if they get a three seed, then it would be against Toronto. Yeah, as of right now. Yeah, I mean it's not settled yet. But I mean, as far as making a deep run, if we're going to call that, I assume conference finals. Look, here's the thing. And New England, I would have some confidence over. Toronto, New York, DC United, whoever we end up playing. You're afraid of all those teams. I'm, I'm, I'm scared poopless of all those teams. Okay. Even Toronto? All of them. Toronto may have made a lot of. We'll, we'll, get, we'll of get into them. the nitty gritty, but Toronto have made a lot of new signings. They're kind of a big sink or swim team in the postseason. I'll say this. I, I, just, I, I just don't have confidence with this Atlanta United team to. to I, I had. 
some confidence, but not as much against these three teams. And you know, Eric, you, I have less confidence. You now. look at the. I just think Atlanta United's consistency throughout the season has. And Joe, I would say Joseph Martinez alone actually is the reason you're above those teams in the table. Sure, because you just have someone that can score goals, so you're winning these. Uh, you have a consistency that maybe was not signified in your overall play in terms of being able to get results. Because you look, you look at those sides that you just mentioned, Eric. There's clearly not a ton of separation between them and Atlanta United when you look at the head-to-head matchup. On well, Eric, you just said you said you feel worse, like even with you know. It's been a tough year for well, Eric, to be I, fair. I, even with Joseph and Barco, like Joseph coming back, being in training, Barco being yeah, back so, in the lineup. And so the reason I feel less confident, because even though that looks to be the case, it's not like they've been all paired together. All the, oh, the, the, the 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 perfect starting 11 for Atlanta United has been together for a very long time. Plus, how long is we, it going to yeah. In a perfect scenario, the perfect, the perfect thing for Atlanta United to happen in that first round game is Barco... Joseph, Pity are all clicking all cylinders, and we have not seen that right. this year yet. Well, and Joseph has to get match fit too. Like that's the thing. How long? Will well, I'm not it worried take about him? that. How long will it take him to get back to being and match, match sharp? Match sharp, that's, that, yeah, that's yeah, what I'm yeah, talking yeah. about. There, like you, they kind of go hand in hand. Not, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, You're, yeah. It's not just when you say match fit. It's not just physical. It's also right. mental. Yeah, absolutely. So that's the sharpness Think, yeah. that you're talking about there. But yeah, it's like you know, will will his reaction time? Will his you know? There's not really a word for it. his spring. That's yeah, I mean, your like, your, you your know, touch his, is not your, right. your game is not back until you get reacclimated to the so, speed so the reason, of the game. So the reason I'm, I'm less confident is because when's the last time we saw the three of them play together? Oh man, well, it's been uh, a while. Basically, that period you just mentioned it's when you go while. back to that win over New York. And so now, in a perfect world, we're going to drop them into a it, one game situation in Atlanta. A, excuse me, sure, in, into a one game situation and hope that everything goes swimmingly. And it yeah. might. I'm not saying it won't, but we haven't seen that since. July. It's been a while, and you're asking basically Barco and Martinez to hit the, hit the exactly. Hit the ground as if running. nothing has changed, and but we can't assume it's a high it's ceiling. Happen. We know those guys are good at soccer, so there's sure. a high ceiling. But you, you're saying basically you I think, think first or ch- second I, round they're out. Like maybe you get past that, maybe that you get first, past the first game, round but then you're going to run into game. one of those three, four exactly. teams you mentioned. Yeah, it's it's not it's not a bad take. <laughs> I I uh, I'm withholding judgment. I'm, I'm happy with how the season has gone. Well. I'm happy with the trophies that has come about in 2019. Um, I think the, I think we should all manage expectations a little bit better than we did maybe in, in 2017, 2018 for this year. This is going to be a, a gr- really interesting discussion over the next few weeks, especially based on what happened to the postseason. Was this, simple, simply put, was this a successful season or not? Some people are saying it already is. Um, I think it already and, and is. I could, so if, they, if you crash out in the first round to New England... You think still a successful uh, season? It, it, it depends on who you play. It, it, it depends. depends on who you play. How, how does it happen? Like, do you lose four nothing? Then yeah, that's a that's going to be a okay. Let's way say to you lose. lose in penalties. I would look at it much more in the same vein as Columbus. But again, there's a lot, right? One. So clearly, there's a lot of fluidity though sure. in terms of the postseason and how it goes and how far you make it and how you end up winning or losing is going to really determine uh, whether the season was successful. Well, like if or you not. crash out to New England, like in the first round at home, yeah, that's bad. Say you somehow end up matching up with Red Bulls in the first round, which could still happen. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you end up matching up with Red Bulls in the first round and losing, then I don't think you feel as bad. Like if you did, like if you lose to New England, you I know think what mentally I mean? you're more prepared. Oh, like so you're one against Columbus. We thought we're not necessarily king of the world, but we thought look at this fast paced offense, look at how many mm-hmm. goals are scoring. That loss took me by surprise. I don't know about you guys, but I remember leaving the stadium that day being like, did they just lose? I think a it, lot of people, it hurt yeah. because the, the the chance of the 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 thought of, of winning that game was was real. Mm-hmm. In two thousand uh, in two thousand eight, well, last year, 
being what being what Atlanta United was, Don't being what Jason Martinez series, was, man, I was like, it, 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 you know, you knew you you had there was this expectation, like, yeah, we're gonna go in there and we're gonna dominate. This year, you don't have that same kind of expectation. You don't have that same kind of mindset, um, that same kind of outlook on this team. You're 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 more in limbo than you are anywhere else about this team and about what they can do moving forward. So, if they can get past the first one, I think all right. Well, anything past this. House money, let's go for it. Well, it also sounds crazy to say this, but like you look at New England, for example, if you match up with them, say in the first round of the playoffs, New England's one of the original teams of MLS. But Atlanta has the experience edge. You know what I mean? Like New England isn't a team that's been, you know, the you know, they haven't been good. They weren't good at all last year or the year before. So it's like it's weird that Atlanta, having only existed, this is their third season have that kind of experience edge over some of these teams, which 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 you wouldn't think would be the case. And while New England's been better, they've kind of tailed off towards the end of the season a little a- bit. Absolutely. They've they've, they've got a bunch of Gustavo Bo though. Goal yeah. Panther man. You know, they have someone they have someone that can score goals, so yeah. it's not gonna be easy. And they got him in what, like July? Yeah. He's we, been we, one we, of the signings of the season. Just to be clear, we assume it's gonna be New England. We have no idea yet. Well I'm just saying, well you yeah. even so you still gotta sure. play yeah, them yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. on Sunday. But yeah, I mean that's the thing that they haven't had what we've been talking about, like you know, they went, I believe the Revolution had Jermaine Jones for a little bit, and it's like, oh, well, they had a high-profile player, but now they have a guy that can score goals, which is something they haven't had in a while. And if you don't, you know, if, you, if you're if you not up to date or whatever on Gustavo Bo, go go look him up. He's been really yeah. good for them. And they have some really good attacking players. And, and, and the thing is, even if we don't play them in the playoffs, we do them play them this weekend. So, nice. That's fortunately, this information works. is no, relevant. No, no. <laughs> but they have a, some really good attacking players. I mean, Carlos Gila, I mean, in terms of if you want to talk about other really good signings this year. We kind of touched on this when Brad Friedel, uh, the dinosaur, was still the manager there. That they had a lot of attacking talent, oh, so and he kept kind of chopping and changing. It's, it's like, yeah, and it was like, like really weird. He couldn't harness the power that yeah. he had into yeah, a so, focused you know, energy. Bruce Arena looks like a genius, but it's not a total surprise that they're at least a better attacking side than they were under Brad. I feel like Bruce Arena gets crapped on a lot. Right, I mean, rightfully so in some instances. But I mean, the guy at least you know has been a successful coach, and I mean, like you said. He's doing a better job than Brad Friedel was doing. Not that that's like a big compliment because Brad Friedel was doing a horrible job. But still, I mean, he's got them, you know, into the playoffs now, or at least it looks like it. So here's the good Yeah, they're point. in. They're in. Let's assume. Yeah. Uh, how do you guys feel about playing the same team twice? I hate that. Ad- Excuse me. I hate that adage, by the way. When people say, "Yeah, I'm with you, Sam." People say, "Oh, it's hard to beat a team twice in the same season, or whatever." You know what I mean? It's hard. It, it doesn't work in soccer like that. But like, oh, playing a team back to back weeks, the same team? No, it's not. It's like if you beat them once, then you know how to do it. It is different. So, it's but different, I wouldn't say. Sure. Well, I mean, the other team can adjust in the second meeting. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they can see what you did in the first meeting, maybe make some adjustments. But ultimately, if you're a good team. Other teams can adjust to what you're doing, and you should still be able to execute regardless of their adjustments. Yeah. So I think that, say, Atlanta goes out, wins, I don't know, two to nothing or something on Sunday, that should be the expectation going into the quote unquote rematch. You know, if you beat them and you have their number, yeah, I mean, they can adjust or whatever, but you, sh- you shouldn't be caught off guard by those adjustments. Oh, even more so if they're playing at home. Exactly. Yeah. It um, is interesting. That, I mean, we don't want to touch on it too much because, again, it might not be New England, right. but it is a very interesting prospect of playing them back to back weeks. I personally don't like that. Um, I don't like playing the same team twice. 
Well, with, and, and I think if it helps either team, it helps New England a little bit because they're the team they're going to obviously have to react to what Atlanta United do. You know, they're they're not as good. They don't have as much talent. So to have such fresh and recent uh, kind of film on them in terms of how they're going to react to you and where your good and mat- bad matchups are on the pitches is it more an advantage I think for New England. Let me rephrase that. I hate playing because you obviously play, play the same team twice in in a in a uh, in a two legged series type of situation. Mm-hmm. Maybe not back to back, but whatever. The the fact that it's a regular season match right into a a, a, a single elimination match in a playoff situation that's what I don't like about it as much I don't like it in big series either so if, if like for the NBA for example I hate the perfect example is the Hawks is what happened what happens to them or at least what happened to them in the past sorry this is divergent but. yeah I know you got <laughs> but, uh, uh, but, usually my but when you see when you see when you see a, a team like the Hawks in the playoffs and in, in, in you know in the Al, Al Horford years oh whenever they really play the same team twice they always got shellacked in the second game mm-hmm. because they knew everything you were going to do. Anyways, that's what I'm worried. That that's more of what I'm worried about with with Atlanta United um, against a team. It like has a very unique it's, element. It's going to be if it happens, it's going to be back to back. So it's going to give um, Bruce Arena a chance to formulate some kind of uh, if they if they were to lose, formulate a better better angle to kind of attack Atlanta. United. And I just think from a confidence, I mean, just to be able to play in Mercedes Benz and sure. just yeah. just get you know get used to the environment. I just think mentally, it ha- it has to help. But I don't think it's a big difference. I'm with, I'm with Sam. But it, it definitely makes it a very unique. Uh, I mean, again, if you're playing New England, it's a pretty unique tie that you're gonna play them at home, then play them at home again in single um, playoffs. I have a. Do you have anything else to add about New England? No. I have a trivia question for you. Uh oh. Oh, is this the one from? <laughs> who are the two teams that have never made, including this year? Who are the two teams that have never made the playoffs? <laughs> who have never made the playoffs? Yeah, because technically, and I'll spoil in, one. In MLS, in MLS, yeah. The, the reason Orlando and Cincinnati, that, right? Well, the reason he said it like that is because technically Minnesota, right? They haven't. Yeah, they're in this year. Yeah, but they're, they're in, in this year yeah. though. But they technically we haven't started it. Well, we all know Orlando and then Cincinnati. Suck it, Orlando. Yeah. <laughs> you know what's crazy about? The I did. Play? I did see that from Home Before Dark. So I thought they were supposed out. to be better. You know what's crazy about the playoffs? I guess though? not. If you like look at the East, like the East is set. Like, like it's it's it, it's just about positioning at this point. But the teams yeah. themselves. Are set. If you look out west, it's nuts. San Jose All and Portland play each yeah. other. If like San Jose has to, well, if they tie, then there's a whole FC Dallas like goal differential thing. But like, yeah, San Jose. If they win, they're if in. If they win, they're in. Yeah, and, and Portland, Portland could and be Portland's out. out. If they don't win, and Dallas wins, it's fascinating. So, I mean, there's a lot, and even like Colorado. Effectively, these are playing games. Somehow, yeah. Colorado is still, still in, in yeah. it barely because their goal differential is minus three, and Dallas's is two. So I mean, they like Colorado would have to go beat LAFC Gosh, like six to nothing. I truly would love to see Minnesota United go, well, go wins, up against right? Colorado and then lose. <laughs> To have, like, the season, but, to, have, to have the season you had in, in Minnesota and then to go into the playoffs the first round and lose to Colorado. Here's the thing. What do LAFC have to play for right now other than the most points all time in, in, in the league? That That's it. That's it. So if you're Colorado, you might be going into that game being like, hey, they might take a step off. If you're Colorado, you're going like, you know – Full I don't balls to the wall here, man. Like it's going to be fascinating. Selection Sunday is going to be good. Not so much in the East because, again, you know, I see. I don't know that positioning. Bob, I don't know that Bob Bradley's that guy though, or LAFC is that team to lay off the gas to like lay off. 
And that's the thing. There, there, there's two schools of thought really going in. Like when you're the dominant team going into the playoffs, it's like, do you want to take a step back in that last game or will it throw off your momentum? You're telling me that at home they're not going to want to be all raucous and grab that grab that record? Well, they've and, already had the Supporter Shield celebration and everything. Oh, but this is different. No one cares about the Supporter Shield. This is different. They care about it. Yeah, so would we have had it happened, but it didn't. Well, it's funny because they we care did. more about well, this the, the, than the, they the, do the supporter it's shield. Fu- it's so funny with all that stuff because supporter shields is fine, but what does this league define success as, and what is who is the champion of MLS, the team that wins MLS Cup? Until they change that, supporter shield is really just going to be a great pat yourself on the back. And and by the way, I did see two where like looking at qualification for Concacaf Champions League. I didn't realize that the winner of the conference that isn't also the supporter shield champ also gets in to Concacaf Champions League. I didn't because last year it didn't seem like we were talking about that. Uh, I think it has to do with is that an adjustment for this year? No, because, but I think I think it has to do with who wins what. Because so right if, now, if you qualify, yeah. if you, essentially if you, if a team qualifies two ways, right, then there's a default to something else. Like I saw that NYCFC right now would get the bid get a bid for the CONCACAF Champions League by virtue of winning the East or being the best team in the East. I think it also has to do with something else having ha- had happened, I believe. Man, that is such a convoluted mess. But here's the thing with with your supporter shield thing and this is where I think it's kind of no offense, but just kind of nonsense to think about it this way because you literally have the same conversations or the same kind of awards in in every sport you can think of in American sports. Of course. So it's it's you know, no one cares about uh, uh, the NFC Championship. For the most part, yeah, they, they might celebrate yeah. on the field like they care, but everyone's like, "All right, well, on to the Super Bowl." Well, like every nobody's mentioning like when they're talking about Atlanta United trophies in the past year or whatever. Like nobody mentions the Eastern Conference MLS trophy, except Tito. <laughs> but give him another chance uh, to uh, bang uh, on other Tito. Than Tito. Other than Tito, no, I thought that was a good that was a good moment for him standing up for your team. Not like, taking, hey, we want not, the Eastern not taking, not, not taking any, trolling the not, Red Bulls. Not taking know. any ish from uh, from the Red Bulls. It was it was like it was <laughs> topical because you were playing the Red Bulls and saying you know uh-huh. we got the trophy you yeah. know yeah, so. no but you better believe LAFC and their fans and Bob Bradley care about this record in their second year. You know what I also think they care about like well not them but like Bob, the Don Garber and like the league themselves. I mean can you imagine an Atlanta LAFC MLS Cup? Like the last champion versus I, I, that'd be great. Uh, I want to see it in NYC. I want. I want to see. I want to see MLS Cup in City Field. Here's the. Here's the cool. Uh, I want to see. Question. I want to see the MLS Cup final in City Field. If you're Don Garber and like a, a perfect and like a perfect world, is your ideal final NYCFC going to LAFC? I mean, that's how it would work out because LAFC. Well, that's what I'm saying, the, though. Like, like anybody that well, if LAFC is going, they're hosting. Like it doesn't matter. Like they have the best. They have the best uh, record. So I. I mean, it, it it depends on what I don't know what he wants. Does he want like the 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 two the the two biggest fan bases, if you will? In that case, yeah, I'd be Atlanta. Do you want uh, two teams? has got a pretty good fan base, not as big as Atlanta's. But do you want two teams that are actually going to go at it back and forth? Because I think you put LAFC against Atlanta United right now. Ooh, yeah. LAFC is going to win like good. three, four, nothing. That would be my prediction. But anyway, NY, NYCFC probably puts up more of a fight right now against a team like LAFC. So it depends on what you want. But Atlanta is a team that also that has shown they can get hot quickly. Like that's what happened in MLS Cup playoffs last year. They sputtered into the playoffs, but flipped the switch and look what happened. I right, see. I didn't think they sputtered. I mean, Nabiona was hurt. 
Yeah, I mean, but Almiron was still... Almiron was the engine that went. No, I get that drove what you're saying, but it's also I mean, what, what do you expect? Well, but that's the, the same same conversation we're having about Barco. Well, and Joseph too, because with Joseph, it's it's more we don't know than anything. So I, there is a lot of unknowns about this team going into the playoffs. But if they get there, and hey, if Joseph is fully you know you know ready to go, mm-hmm. Barco gets back into form. Then yeah, I think this team can flip a switch pretty quick. Yeah. All right. Um, any final thoughts before we go? Yes. Oh, you need to go. Steve Bruce is an idiot. Oh Rant. God, yeah. Please, okay. please do this. By so, the way, uh, Steve Bruce says that Miguel Almiron is an inside forward. Yes. How many times has he watched Miguel Almiron play? Miguel Almiron isn't a goal scorer. To be an inside forward, that's usually one of the traits, right? You got to be a goal scorer. Almiron can score goals, but that is not his forte. And he's a box-to-box midfielder. Like, he's not an inside forward. Steve Bruce, and I I was explaining this to Eric earlier on the radio show, it's like Steve Bruce comes from, like, the super old-school English. Like, he doesn't know anything about South American Mm -hmm. soccer. Like, he's this... He could go on the internet, but apparently that's... he's, He's a very, you know, student of the game, student of the English game, the Sir Alex Ferguson old, yeah. way. And look, oh, don't drag Ferguson down with that. Fergie well, played great football. No, I'm saying that that Steve Bruce played for those Manchester United mm, teams, mm-hmm. and he still wants his team to play like 1993 yeah, he, he played for United Manchester from, United. Yeah. That's what right, I'm saying. Right, right, right. right, like, right. Like, like, he's very true to that style and has no idea what to do with a player like Miguel Almiron, who has this flair, who has this ability to play multiple positions. And again, Steve Bruce, there was a quote he he hadn't seen Miguel Almiron like ever play yeah. until January. So let's let's dive deeper because first, so let's first of all talk about yes, his career as a student of the game. So with man played for Gillingham, well, student of North that City, game, that game Ma- exactly Manchester United, Birmingham City, Sheffield United. Every single managed one of those clubs was British. Sheffield United, Huddersfield Town, Wigan Athletic, Crystal Palace, Birmingham City, Wigan Athletic, Sunderland, Hull City, Aston Villa, Sheffield Wednesday, Newcastle United. That guy's more British so, than a steak and kidney pie. So a top the long resume. <laughs> so first of all, he's been in a lot of places and he's not I don't think he's a terrible manager, but like mm. Sam said, his style is pretty antiquated at this point. Anyways, the quote uh he, talking about Miguel Almiron said, he's not an out-and-out center forward or a natural number 10 either. Which is true. He's an old-fashioned inside forward, so we have to try and get the best out of him. So two things. First of all, I don't know what an old-fashioned inside forward is. I don't know what that is either. Sam, you described what a current inside forward is, which is uh, so, someone who cuts in, plays wide, and cuts in, plays more narrow, and shoots. Right, right. So I did some research. And we talked about Jason Longshore earlier, how he's an encyclopedia of knowledge. And he was mentioning this uh, on Soccer Down Here, that the old-fashioned inside forward is teams used to play a 2-3-5 formation. With, and the front five <laughs> consisted of two wingers, okay, on the, the outsides of the five. I'm sorry, wait, I, I, back up again? Yes, so in, in the olden, olden days. Yes, yes, yes. W- when they were still playing with like that ball that's like a brown leather, like rubber. I haven't <laughs> confirmed this, but I, I Jason said it, and so I'm, I'm be going true. with it. And if it's wrong, you can blame Jason. But so you had a five-man <laughs> five front line with a striker in the middle, two wingers out wide, and then two kind of inside the two then more narrow players inside forwards. So I'm trying to see, think how that would look. So it's basically you have a front five with a, a middle player as the striker, yeah, two wingers, 
And then you, you and then you have two more narrow inside. yeah players as inside so forward. It's almost kind of like a so, Christmas tree. So an old fashioned inside forward doesn't exist anymore. Uh, first of all, and secondly, Steve Bruce has decided that the best place to play Miguel Amiron this season, and he's played him there four or five matches, is on the right as a right winger. Can we? Can we? Can we encourage him to do the five five man forward line? Yes, yeah, if he's that, looks, that that sounds like it'd be fun to yes. watch. Like, I, look, if Miguel Amiron is Newcastle's best player, which I. Th- is arguable. But look, he's not their best player because of the way Steve Bruce is playing him. Yeah. But and just in terms of talent level, right. if he is one of their best players, maybe they do yes. need to go to the 2-3-5 if, or whatever. If anyone out there, <laughs> if you can get access to Steve Bruce's, Bruce's landline phone number, you can give him a call uh, because I'm sure he doesn't understand cell phones or social like media. Signals. Hit, hit him on because the if he had gone on the internet and said, I'm going to try Miguel Miron on the right wing, you know, I... He would have noticed that he's played 53 matches at attacking midfield, 25 at left winger, 11 at center mid, 7 at second striker, and he had played, I believe, four matches in his entire career at right winger coming season. You don't want him season. to be isolated. So not only did you say he is a made-up position in a 2-3-5, you, <laughs> you're playing him in a spot he's never played in his career. He's touched the ball inside the 18-yard box 14 times this season. He's basically playing him as like a defensive midfielder that drops like a right, I don't know what, an old-fashioned something which, that which comes all go, the way back. Which goes against like every instinct in his body, And I the feel craziest like. thing yeah. about this is Miguel Amiron should be a great player for, for a Steve Bruce who's like, we want to sit back, we want to play direct. And hit him on the counter. He is, Miguel Amiron is one of the best players in transition I mean, I I think that's an area where where he he transferred right into Premier League and can play well, and he's not using him like that. And it's really frustrating to watch a player to watch a manager like Steve Bruce, where you have a guy who not only are you playing out of position, but there should be a very influential he's spot in fit. the team for yeah. him in terms of having someone that can start the counterattack when you're forced. But instead, he's playing him deeper. He's playing him on the right side where we know that he's not comfortable playing. And it's just a huge mess. And I just really feel for Miguel Miron because we talked about this before he went to Newcastle that we love the idea of him going to Europe and we love the idea of you know having a player to look at in England. But this Bring might... Him home, just Just from his... In terms of his career this just might not be the best move for him. And we talked about them getting relegated. Come and, back to us, Almiron. But clearly, yeah, come home. Come home. Come back to us. You can you, you Come here. We will not play you on the right wing. We Although still, you would we, still be awesome in MLS we, on the right wing. Were, we still have a place for you here. There but were links going home. into the season like Real Madrid. Yeah, there were a lot of links. Do you, do you think we could con Newcastle into like an Almiron pity swap? <laughs> player for player. Oh, God. No, uh, no. No, if Mike but Ashley's I, I could, running things. Uh. Come on. But I mean, you have to wonder. I mean, Steve Bruce. For, I, you feel really bad for Miguel Miron, just his career. I mean, this is a move where, you know, he is, what is he now? 26, 27 years old? This is why I had reservations, I man. Like, I wanted him to go on from Atlanta. I wanted him to go to Europe and have that yeah, success. Yeah, 25. But when Newcastle was the team that started to really be the one linked In- with him, as a fan of English soccer for a while, and Josh, you bite me up on this. Newcastle not only have not been good for a long time, they have been a mess at the front office yeah, level. It's a top for to bottom problem. Years. So when they started being the team that looked like they were going to win the race to get him, I was I was nervous for him. And I was it's just, very nervous. It sucks for him because it you know he go there at twenty four years of age. If you waste age twenty four to twenty six, twenty seven, that's 
that's really where you establish your value as a player or you're or you're you know playing for uh you know uh real batiste or something like that you know where maybe you're still top flight but the upward trajectory you were hoping that would come from atlanta united and that should have been there with the the development and success he had as a player just wasn't because he went to a club that didn't have an identity and then now we're seeing they go hire someone who doesn't understand how to use him as their manager so i i really feel for him personally in fairness under rafa benitez he was being used exactly though he was being used with Atlanta Absolutely. United. Absolutely. And it was it was fantastic to see what he was able to do at that level. And he created a ton of chances. Absolutely. It, it's it's a shame that he still hasn't scored, but it's it, you, I remember watching and I'm thinking, well, I'm not probably going to have to, you know, eat some crow because I I was the one that was saying he's not going to he's not he by himself is not going to help this team. And mm-hmm. he absolutely did help the team. He did. I, he it's did. to the point now where but again, it shows you, effectively to, and it shows you to Sam's point what a shambolic club this is. Is you you broke your transfer record on this dude, your manager left, and you went and hired Steve Bruce, who doesn't who doesn't play us, he doesn't know how to use him, you know. So it's like it really shows you what a mess Newcastle is that you would break your transfer record on this guy, and then when you lose the manager that wanted him, you would just go get someone that doesn't know how to use him at all, and now you've got all that all that money uh, playing in a position he's not successful at, playing in a style that maybe he doesn't like, and. It's, it's tough for it's tough for his career, you know. I mean, it's really you wonder where he's going to be a year from that's, now. That's hard to move. Like, it's not like he can move to a different Premier League club off of what's going. on. I mean, this on is because, one of the worst Premier clubs there is, right? Well, the clubs they've won, yeah. they won one match all year. But like, he, he's yeah. he's going to have to. Essentially, he's going to have to demote demote himself if he wants to. If he wants a chance at then playing for a different Premier League club or a different mm-hmm. top tier club in Europe. Well, this is where because he's, not, he's not going from Newcastle unless someone recognizes the 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 game or the mistakes that Newcastle sure made. unless someone absolutely clearly recognizes what what how Newcastle has effed this all up which is possible sure. but I think a lot of people should you don't want to bet Newcastle on that you know? he, he's he's absolutely gonna have to play at a lower level not necessarily back to MLS but a lower level probably within Europe and then essentially fight his way back to a top tier club because surely which is not what he wanted to do surely when he went to Newcastle he was seeing it as a similar stepping stone as Atlanta United where he'd be there I'm, two or three years and then go to somewhere else bigger you know, or, or completely change the club itself because look for the first couple of months he was you thought he was that and guy it, and it is a club that has the potential to, to the be much more than like, it is don't play him sell him now he should never step on the field again. That's that's all the it's, tweets you see now. It's funny too because with, with the Real Madrid links from Newcastle, it made me think about those uh, goal movies. You remember that the guy that like went to Newcastle and then <laughs> yes. he went to like Real Madrid or whatever that. Or yeah, whatever. he did really well. That's what I'm saying. It's like it's like oh, that, in theory that sounds great, but I, I think one of the things that I think has to be thought of here, if you're and and this could be where Miguel Almiron's biggest impact as a player in the English Premier League is for other South American players. These agents that are in South America, you know, the the, the people that's around, they they don't have the inner knowledge of, hey, look, this this big English club is coming, Newcastle. Yeah, we've heard of them. Let's go to them. The agents and the players that are putting these players in the position have to realize, hey, maybe we should wait for a different opportunity because this club has a track record of running players into the ground and and not making the right decision. And the reason I think you can question the agent is because... is be, go ahead. No, sorry. I just, I just think it's, it's. He makes when you go to the Premier League, you make a lot of money. Well, I'm saying the money. So, the, that's a problem. These, these people in South America who have never seen this kind of money before, like Miguel Almiron was making good. Yes, money but the in, agent. In, in the I think it's more so the agent gets a bigger cut, right? He gets, right. A, he gets a so cut of that transfer fee. He gets a cut of. Go. And I think it was interesting that 
basically entire January window, all you heard was Newcastle, Newcastle, Newcastle. And I'm thinking, surely there are more teams that would be in for this guy. Well, that's a bad job of the but agent, was, too, by not spinning uh, other teams. But up. you know, it was just that the EPL team oh, but they, was but the only one that was out. willing to offer the most salary, was it willing to offer the most uh, transfer fee. And for an agent... There were other uh, teams involved. Oh, oh. At least there were other teams reported that there, there were. were. Well, like, there like were. Tottenham, I think, was it was chirped around. No, there were. I think there. I forget the Italian teams that were right. Exactly, that, that but those involved. teams could not offer teams. as much as Newcastle sure, yeah. simply because Newcastle Castle in the EPL. And this is something we talked about that it's weird when you become uh, a sought after commodity in Europe because if English clubs are in for you, it automatically drives your value way it's up. Short because those teams, grab. those teams can oh. spend so much more. So suddenly, like, t- teams in Italy you- are priced out, even though it might have been a better move for his career as a player. That's what I'm it's a short-term cash grab versus looking at the bigger picture. Maybe he should have gone to, uh, um, you know, uh, an Italian club yeah. like a, like a, a Fiorentina or something. I don't know. Yeah, just, right. We're just throwing. Just yeah. using that for example because clubs that you know know how to operate. Whereas Newcastle has always thought their big baller, big budget. And they haven't been for like twenty years. But time out. The, the move was a good move at the time. Uh, I, st- I don't. I, I, I don't know. Don't think so. He changed the club for about three months. Well, the club was finally oh, exciting. I mean, to from watch. Newcastle's perspective, sure. But no, again, even that's... from even from Albino's perspective, you you thought at, the, at first yeah. during the first three months or so, you thought this is a game changer. But again, that, that's I, a short term view of it. And the long term, if you know Newcastle and you know how yeah. this club has run itself, you're like, okay, this is a short burst. When's it going to fall yeah. apart? And everybody that you know watches EPL is like, okay, nobody thinks Newcastle can sustain anything for a while because of how shambolic they've run this club. So what we're saying is that. Or at least what we're, we're assuming is that Rafa Benitez and Abidon didn't have a conversation about him potentially leaving at the end of the year. We, uh, but, that's, but that's Miguel Abidon's I d- agent I, again. I, I doubt it. No, I doubt it. I mean, Benitez was was kind of wanting so to stay the whole did, summer. If he, and, if he didn't have that already in mind, if let's say they didn't have that conversation because that wasn't a thing at least at the time, mm-hmm. then this was the correct move. But you, but here's it, the thing. Did, it didn't work out. No, but for like him. Sam's saying, agent, this is a club you have to know. And you have to know when when uh, Rafa Benitez's contract, who his contract was up, like there was no. So right. if you're an agent, you've got to realize, hey. We we want to go play for this guy. It'd be great to play for this guy, but at the same time, his contract's up at the end of the year. This club has a history of turmoil. Like I'm putting this a lot on his representation because in the in the long run, Newcastle was not a good move for a number. And of you know, good there were stories even term money, even sure. when Almiron came in, that Rafa was going to leave if he couldn't get Almiron. You know, because right. and so I think you had to be able to realize that. This might be a good guy for Miguel Miron today, but there's no guarantee that he's going to be here tomorrow. So it was a risk. I mean, and again, it's it's crazy. You could, to, but you could have made the same argument with him with Atlanta United. You could, no, you could but, have made that same argument. No, no, argument. because Atlanta United don't have the history of what Newcastle are as a club. I mean, it would, right. it would I mean, be. I didn't have any history. It would be exactly. It would be much more. <laughs> it would be much more like moving to Orlando. And he gets to go and, against and, like Sasha Question and guys like that, I, as opposed. I mean, I just. To... I, and and again, you can't you can't really go back because we don't know what exactly what happened. And obviously, it would have been just totally unfair to have him stay. You know, another transfer window in Atlanta, but I just feel like it. it it felt like that move was. Oh, please! Pushed. No one's putting a gun to his head and going sign the papers. Now. Oh, I agree. This I is agree. Absolutely, one hundred percent. No, decision. I, I, oh, of course. But yeah, I mean, I, I mean, the, the people, one. the people around you advising you. I think, and I think maybe there's a chance that he was pushed towards Newcastle because the link started in November or whatever that he was pushed in that direction because they know if we can do this transfer, 
this is going to net us the most money. You never but know by what doing that, dealings are going on too. By the way, by like, doing that, it outpriced all these other clubs out of the race. And again, we're just speculating, but I think it's 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 we're all huge fans of Miguel Almiron, and it's it's tough to watch him in the situation he's in right now. And hopefully, uh, it doesn't cause him a huge detriment to his career because whatever you think of Newcastle playing out of position in a in a pretty bad side with a manager that you know, is stuck in the 1980s is, uh, is not, is not good for a player in his mid twenties in his first experience playing European football. I mean, think about this. Who's the last player like to come out of Newcastle having gone in there and then leaving with a better reputation? Like, think about what they did to Michael Owen. I'm sure we can think of somebody. I think it's Gigi Wijnaldum. I was, I I was going to say Wijnaldum, yeah. That's the guy who popped into my head when I thought about this question. But, like, you look at, like, every, like, like Michael Owen, for example. Yeah, you go all the go? way back to that. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? There's, just a, there, there's a track record of this club just ruining people, man. Yeah. And they've never been willing to spend a lot of money. And just, I mean, it's a, it's a mess. So, hopefully things... I don't really care what happens to Newcastle, but I hope things get better for Miguel Miron because I want him to have a good career and I want to see him put in positions to succeed against the best because I think we all know what a talented player he is and want to see how he does at the highest level. But you can't tell when he's you know got a manager saying he's best in a position that existed 50 years ago and and playing him inverted where he never has. So. Maybe he'll get on to like Villarreal or something and, right. and something like that would be great. Back. Yeah, come back to us, Armiron. Yeah, or just come home. Come back. Come home. Come back to your. To your home, you're like uh, the uh, Rick James, Dave Chappelle gift, where it's like, yeah, yeah that's good. Here. Come back, that's to good. Me. <laughs> that's good. Um, all right, let's wrap it up. You can find me at Eric G Quintana on social media. You can find me at Josh B nine one four at Sam J Franco. Although I'm thinking about changing it to at Steve Bruce is an idiot. <laughs> there we go. Well, yeah, I think that's at a fair statement. MOTS podcast. What is this? Does anyone have any idea where to get the yellow caution stickers Joseph put on his Instagram? I have no idea. Do you guys have any idea? Yeah, he's got. It's, it's <laughs> I want to know why you're reading off comments as we sign off on the YouTube. It was like it, the, it, it was like it, it was a random one that just popped up, and I was like, oh, that's interesting. And isn't that was, the sticker though, where it's like the it's like a yellow sticker with like the mean face emoji on it or something? I don't know. No I'm idea sorry. what you're on I'm about. Sorry, mate. I'm sorry, Stephen. I have no idea. Um, <laughs> You can find us at MOTS Podcast. We don't do any prep, Stephen. Why would we? Patreon.com slash MOTS Podcast. We don't do it. And uh, anything else? I love you guys. Ooh, I it's just love these fun. stickers. These stickers are always fun. I'll be in the, I'll be in the gold Sunday. Y'all, y'all hit me up. Come hang out. Sounds good. All right. Until next time. See you later, Atlanta. <laughs> <laughs>